Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté que la grande famille de l'Église 180. We thank the team for being here early, uh, playing and uh, leading us. Uh, it, it uh, you know, I thought it's, it's really challenging, you know, to be able to just preach and, and do this. It almost feels like we're in a little bit of a learning series. I feel like you can ask me questions this morning if you want to. But we decided that I'm going to preach from just the floor today. And just the, the feel will be a little bit more intimate. And if you're watching online, uh, you already heard multiple times of how we're just... Uh, adjusting as best we can to all the different things that are going on. But uh, I want to talk about something this morning, and I, I thought a lot about this this week. I thought about how, you know, this is the time of year where we all decide there's so many gifts we want to bring back, right? And some of you know this, you know, that, that you get that gift, and you're like, it's so nice, but I hope you gave me the gift receipt because I don't like this really that much, you know? And how many people will start to feel very early on after Jesus is born, if there's a way of giving him back, is there a way of not dealing with this mysterious beautiful truth that is that is captured and encapsulated in who Jesus is you know some of you maybe know this but there's a lot of people who meet Jesus and they don't like him at all I know for us it's almost Jesus is like oh Jesus baby Jesus whatever there's people in the story and in the Bible who are like it would be better for us if Jesus never came or never showed up and I think for many of us there's going to be times in our lives where as much as we maybe say we believe in God or even would say we're Christians, whatever, there's going to be times in our life where we're like, we're really not too, sh- too sure to do with this Jesus. So I want to talk a little bit about that this morning as we think about the end of this year. And, and I, I got this fascinating stat about how many people will return gifts at this time of year. Maybe you're one of those people. You'll see it on the screen uh, behind me. It says this. I thought about what does it look like to want to return Jesus in a world that teaches us, hey, whenever you don't like something, you can just return it. I think you'll see it up there. Uh, here we go. Yeah, I'm going to read it for us. Total do- dollars of returned gifts estimated at $262.4 billion. This figures does not include unwanted gifts that are not returned, but kept in a closet, regifted, sold, donated, or thrown away. I mean, this is kind of the world we live in. A world we live in says, you know, when you don't like something, just kind of throw it away or give it away or just put it somewhere and don't use it. You know, I think so much of what we feel in our world when we think about this is the fact that there's something that Jesus is going to start to do in us and in the people who follow him that's going to make them feel like we're not sure if maybe this was the best idea to follow this Jesus or how to follow him. And so I thought about this this week, especially as I reflected on this being the last Sunday of the year. I mean, this is the last Sunday of this past whole year. If somebody told me at the beginning of this year that this is how I would end this year, I would have been like, please don't tell me that this is how we're going to end this year. Like in a difficult and challenging way that, you know, we'd be preaching in a smaller setting and many people online. Some people hopefully are watching us live and connecting with us live. Some people maybe are watching later, you know, that somebody would have told me that. I would have been like, man, this is a tough year. And yet I'm reminded if I look back how many sermons I've preached this year. You know, I've preached a lot of sermons. I've 
taught about a lot of things. And I realized more and more, especially with the internet and being online with people, you can watch a lot of things online. Like, you know this, you know, even if you're watching on YouTube, there's hundreds of other preachers you can watch and uh, hundreds of other talks. There's so many things that you can learn about if you want online and yet do none of them. You ever find this pattern with you? Like you're just clicking the next video, the next video, the next video. I've watched so many videos about I should eat less sugar. I ate more sugar this year than ever in my life. I watched so many videos about how I should exercise more. Did not happen. I wa you can watch so many things and yet not really commit to doing any of those things. And I'm going to tell you why that happened. Because all of us live in a world that we are taught at some point that just by listening to something, we will somehow will become accountable to the things we heard. And many of us don't. We listen to things, and we never really change if we don't really say we want to be accountable for doing these things. We want somebody to ask us and tell us, hey, how are you doing with that thing that you knew you wanted to change? How are you really doing with that area of your life that you've known for years needs your attention in a new way? How are you doing with that? Like, think about you still have a few more days before the end of this year to ask somebody that you love a question about how you're doing as it relates to your spiritual life. How you're doing as it relates to maybe your anger, your greed, areas in your life when sometimes you're proud. I don't have any problems with these issues. Maybe some of you do, but I don't really have any problems with these issues. But we all know, like, without accountability, the story of Jesus and even the things we wish we could change become things we just hear about and we go to the next video and the next video and the next talk and the next podcast. We are living in a time with more information than ever before. And yet all of us feel the strange disconnect where none of us are able to really embody or live up to the things we wish we could be or do. There's somebody in the Christmas story that not only has heard messages about God most of their life, but this person actually has, has people who work for him who are preachers. His name is Herod the Great. He's this ruler in the story of Christmas who basically has like preachers, just think of a preacher, a pastor, on call, on speed dial. And at one point, he's actually going to do that. He's actually going to call all spiritual leaders and religious leaders. and going to say, I need your help to answer a question. And yet he's symbolic of a person I want to talk to you about this morning who wishes that Jesus would just go away, wishes he could just give this baby back somehow, and when he can't, he's going to decide he's going to start to kill some babies. And he's a person who reminds us that you can hear about God your whole life and never, ever change. This is a crazy warning. All wrapped into the Christmas story. Now, there's one writer, his name is John, He's, he writes one of the Gospels, and he tells us, he uses some language about rejecting or pushing against not wanting what God is going to do at Christmas. And I want to read it for you, just so maybe you feel it. It kind of really applies to what I want to talk about this morning. He says this, that Jesus, the true light that gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. If you're taking notes or you're at home or you're, you're watching here, I want you to kind of think in your head that the verse I just read should have a gap in your mind. Now, it doesn't in your Bible because the way the Bible is, but it should have a gap, and I actually did it that way in the slide so you could feel that. So let me just read it again. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. So pre-Christmas, he was coming. We were waiting. The season of Advent, you know, happens. He was coming. And we were meant to prepare and, you know, all those things. And then there's a gap that happens. There's a space. And then here's the next part. You feel it. He was now in the world. Like, it's happened. There's this moment where he was coming and now he's here. He's now in the world. Right? And it says this. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now, I mean... Really, in our minds, I mean, sometimes you, you can forget that John is probably very much aware of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's aware of the other stories of Jesus and Christmas. 
And really quickly, most people who hear John know of people in the Christmas story who've done these kinds of things. You know, they did not receive him. They did not recognize him. Maybe they thought he was irrelevant. Maybe whatever word you would add, they rejected him. Like from the beginning of Jesus' birth, he's already feeling what it's like to be pushed aside and for some people to say, we actually don't really want you here. Like, we're not sure what to do with you. And there's this moment in this story where John is trying to capture something that the other writers of the Gospels don't say. And he does this by telling us about Jesus from a cosmic perspective. I mean, very few people will know what to do with this at Christmas. Like, there is nothing on your tree or on a manger that captures what John says here. Maybe if you have, like, a star or some lights, right? But most of us are not sure what to do Christmas from John's perspective. But John says, hey, as you think about Jesus as his, in his earthly arrival, right, as a human, I want you to think also of Jesus as the one who is true light and who's there before anything is ever created. I just want us to pause for a second and think about this. It's the last Sunday of the year, so if you didn't think I was going to give you something just a little bit deeper, you are wrong and you don't know much about our church. But I want you to think about this just a little bit deeper this morning. Or else, Christmas quickly becomes a gimmick. It becomes about like the manger, fast, get over with, move on, you know, and maybe we can give this baby back. And, and John says, no, no, let me not like let you off the hook too quickly here. The one that is in the manger is the one who was there before anything was there. Okay, and I want you to kind of begin to wrap your head around this just a little bit, okay? I'm just going to push you just a little bit to kind of feel this. And if you're home, you might want to get a piece of paper and pen and just draw some notes here. Because I actually have a picture for you to help you understand this. This is so important to understand this. If you don't get this, all of Christmas will become a little bit of like a tradition of a religion and you'll miss it all. And John is like, I want to make sure you don't miss this. I want to make sure you really understand this. And here's the picture I want you to see. This is what John wants us to understand. That Jesus is uncreated light and everything else that exists has been created by the one who is true light. Now, if you have your Bible and you're taking notes, when you see the word that Jesus is true light before all time, the other word that could help you understand that Bible passage well is to understand that true light means uncreated light. Jesus was always there. Jesus was never not there. From the beginning of time, he was always there. He is the true light, and now what is he going to do? He's going to create light, which is the light that we enjoy. When the Bible begins, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? God creates. Let there be light. Light will be created from the one who is uncreated light. Now, this is so important to understand. And you know what I notice this? Many people miss this is when I meet Christians, especially in a difficult time like we're living through, where they live their lives as if there's like a cosmic battle between darkness and light. Okay? This happens all the time. It's almost like, you ever see the image of a yin-yang symbol, like black and white, and there's this constant fighting? And I meet people all the time who are like, well, I hope, you know, goodness wins, and, you know, there's darkness and light, and maybe there's some movies that come to mind where there's like a cosmic battle between good and evil, and you're watching till the end of the movie, and you're like, I hope light wins, because then we're going to need a trailer for this movie. You know, we're always hoping for that. My favorite Christmas movie of all time is Lord of the Rings. Okay? Some of you are like, that's not a Christmas movie. And if that's you, you can leave right now. No, I'm kidding. It's like, the idea is like Lord of the Rings is this movie that tries to capture by a Christian this sense of darkness and light, this cosmic battle between good and evil. Okay? 
When, Christ, when Christians, people don't learn about Christmas properly, they actually live their lives as if that's how the world is unfolding every day. But John says, don't be confused. While there's darkness and light here, there's someone else who's uncreated light who is over here. And he's the one who's coming into the world. When you understand that, you understand that our lives are not in some cosmic battle between good and evil and we hope one day Jesus wins. That's not how our lives work. There's uncreated light who's here, who's born in the manger, and there's the light that's been created that we use to help us. And there's the struggles that we feel between darkness and light in our world, but that in no way means that the one who is true light is ever concerned about what's happening in this world. When people get that, you know what they really are able to experience? God's peace. Because when you don't have that kind of peace, your peace is always connected to the fact that I hope like the goodness wins or I hope light wins or I hope that this battle that's going on in the end will see who really is stronger. As if somehow God is stuck in some cosmic battle between good and evil. All the religions of the ancient world believe this about life. That life is a battle between good and evil. We actually have a phrase in our culture that you'll hear often people use. One day we're going to find out whether we're on the right side of history. This is a phrase that people use. It's a phrase of saying we're going to see if goodness and justice really prevails. As if somehow we're stuck and Jesus is now stuck in this world and we hope nobody kills you. We hope you don't die. Remember, John is trying to help us understand that there's light that is created and there's uncreated light that is in the manger now. And he was there before any light existed. And because we put our hope in the truth of that, we have peace when we feel that we're in a storm between light and darkness in our lives. Like we feel that, but we're never disappointed or afraid because there's a peace about that. Now, just one more bit before we get to Herod. He's important, right? The other thing I want to tell you that at the end of the Bible, if you go all the way to the end of the whole Bible, and John, who writes the, the passage you just saw about true light, He's going to tell us something that God will do at the end where we don't need any light anymore. This is what it says in the book of Revelation. It says this, The city that is going to come, the final city in the end, does not need the sun or the moon to shine. On it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb, the lamb is its lamp. Do you see this? How beautiful this is? That the connection is that the one who's true light is going to get rid of even the lights that he's created in the end. That the moon and the stars... And the sun, all those lights that were created for us to have as a gift, those two will one day be gone. They will not be needed anymore. You know what that means? There's no tanning in heaven. There's no... Some of you guys, we do, it's John saying, do you understand? The one who is uncreated light has come, and all the other light we experience has been created by him for us. And the time will come where even the sun and the moon will no longer be necessary. Because the one who is light will sustain everything. This is kind of at the heart of what Christmas means for us. Now, in the ancient world, to hear that would have been a violation because so many religions worshipped the gods who were connected to the sun and to the moon. And so to say that there is a God who's created those other lights would have been such a crazy thing. Like, who is this child? Like, who created lights before there was light? Well, we're about to tell you who that is. And in the story of Christmas, there's a group of people who represent those people, and they are the magi. The Magi are these astrologers in the Eastern world who would have looked at the stars and the lights to try to figure out what are the gods doing. And so when we understand this, we know that at Christmas, we are invited to follow along with these Magi because what are they going to do? They're going to be looking for the one who is true light before all lights are created. And the Bible invites us to pay attention to these people who are astrologers. 
They're like, you know, I've gotten already so many emails in my inbox. Hey, you're signed for 2020. How to find success? Are you a Capricorn? Are you a Cancer? Are you a Pisces? I'm like, look at this. It's like right from the Bible. It's like all these people hoping that next year their sign will align with the star. And if it does, you might conquer darkness in your life. And if it doesn't, well, it sucks to be you. It's going to be a bad year. Unless you believe in the one who is uncreated light who is there before light is even needed, and who one day will say, all the lights that you even have, I will remove because you will not need them. Imagine the feeling of that you missed that at Christmas. This is what we're told by Matthew as he begins to help us understand about these astrologers now are looking for this light. Where is this light? This is what it says. After Jesus was born. If you're taking notes right now, you should circle all that in your Bible right away. After Jesus was born. Boxing Day. Okay? Jesus is born now. And Matthew's telling us that now that Jesus is born, there's people that are looking for him. After Jesus is born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and, and have come to worship him. I just want to tell you like a, a little confession that I have in my house. Like once you get to this, this day, you know, I usually start to think of how we can start cleaning up stuff in our house. Any of you? Any of you are like, let's put the tree away. Let's start putting stuff away. You know, there's that feeling of like it makes us feel like we're cleaning up. I, I always feel really, really guilty when I think of that. Because if you were a Christian learning about the story of Christmas, right now you would be adding stuff to your tree. You'd be adding stuff to your manger. And the way this would happen is that the earliest Christians would be like, that soon when you see the manger, the people who are not there at the beginning of Christmas are the magi. They're still making their way to the manger. And Matthew hopes we understand this because Matthew says, hey, when Jesus is born, the Magi are not there. They're still making their way looking for where Jesus would be. So imagine if you decided you're going to start to add things to your Christmas tree today. You're going to start, you're going to begin to add different parts of people who are in the manger scene. If you want to see uh, someone help us with that idea is you should watch the Mr. Bean Christmas on YouTube. Okay? Have you ever seen, you can see the picture of it. If you've ever seen the scene of Mr. Bean, he brings in every character he can find to the manger. There's a dragon, and there's aliens, and there's a tank, and there's, this, there's a dinosaur. And in the end, I tried to capture this in a picture. Some of you online, you can watch this later. It's, it's hilarious. Uh, just because it's getting too dangerous for baby Jesus, an angel comes on a helicopter that's magnetic and is magnetizes baby Jesus and starts to lift him out of all of the dangerous situation. You can see it there. You see, like, the angel has a magnet on baby Jesus' head. It's horrible, but it's great. I think about this manger scene because for so many of us, we can forget that Christmas is not just a date on the calendar. It's a movement of God at work where true light has entered our light. Uncreated light is making its way in our world, filled with darkness, but yet untampered by it. And the story of the Magi, if you want to grow in this understanding, which I encourage you to, is the story of where we start to believe in epiphany. Epiphany is the revelation to the Magi that they have found the one who is born king of the Jews. But the Jews were not ready. Herod himself is concerned and he's like, well, what do you mean? Like, I'm the king of the Jews. Like, how can this be? And you, you might know this already, but for Herod, it's kind of like a bit nerve-wracking to be like, there's another king, but I'm the king of the Jews. This is not going to work. This is who I told you at the beginning. Herod represents for me someone who can know the scriptures, who can hear the scriptures, who can have preachers on speed dial and yet never be held accountable to live what the scriptures have said. This is a real warning for all of us. 
that we live in a world where you can hear a lot of preachers. You can hear preachers for free. You can hear preachers in your pajama. You can hear preachers at night. You can listen to a preacher when you're discouraged. You can do whatever you want. But if there's no one keeping you accountable to live those things, Herod is our guy. Herod is the symbol of this. Where he is someone who now, a little bit anxious when he finds out that these magi have showed up and they're like, they didn't come for him. They didn't come to see him. So Herod decides, some of you maybe still remember, it's fresh in your mind. Hey, let's get some of the preachers, the religious leaders. Where is this king of the Jews that we should be waiting for? How come nobody told me about this? And you know that, that the religious leaders are going to be like, okay, uh, how do we kind of help Herod? We're not really sure of the details. And they're going to do something that's going to be like really important to understand is they're going to look at the Hebrew Bible, they're going to look at the prophets, and they're going to say there's a prophet in the Hebrew Bible that will help us to maybe know where the star, where the one who's come is going to be. Where could he be found? This is what we're told. In Bethlehem. That's what we're told. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. This is what the religious leaders tell Herod. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by, no means, are, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I put in the notes for you so you can go back and read it, but Matthew is quoting a prophet named Micah. It's actually the prophet Micah who says that the ruler that we've been waiting for will come from Bethlehem. You might not feel this in the text, but I, this is just my sense that Herod would have been relieved. Okay, let me get this straight. So the person who's going to take over what I do is in Bethlehem. It's coming from a little town that has like hardly any significance. It would have been like, oh, this is going to be easy. Sure, this is great. You know, there's this moment of almost like a joke of feeling like, are we the kinds of people who kind of would say, you know what, this Jesus, he doesn't sound like such a big deal. This baby, he doesn't sound like he's going to give us any, any problems to worry about. Micah's trying to say, do not miss the fact that just because Jesus is coming from the most insignificant place, that the power that he brings and the authority that he brings is going to keep everyone on this planet accountable for how they've lived. Do not forget that. This is such a powerful moment in the story. This is a powerful moment be between a person who is not held accountable by anybody and the one who is uncreated light who keeps even the lights and the stars accountable, are accountable to him. You should feel that as you hear about it and as you learn about this. That Micah says, from Bethlehem will come the one who will teach you what it means that you and I need a shepherd to teach us how to live our life. Micah says the one who's coming is coming from the tribe of Israel that is like of least significance. Like you think of a place in your mind that today would be like of least significance. If I told you like a small town with a few people, you're like, the next prime minister of Canada will come from that little town. You'd be like, get out of here. That's ridiculous. That won't happen. You need somebody who's strong, who speaks many languages, who's gone some good schools. No, no, no. Don't be confused. The prophets have told us that that's where the next ruler will come. The truth is, I'm not sure what to do with a God that comes in such a lowly way. I kind of like the cosmic God who controls everything. Just think about if you were home this year at Christmas and there was gifts under the tree and there was two boxes, both of them had your name on them and one of them was a box that said the gift for you this year is surrender and humility and the other box said authority and blessing. Which one would you open first? Which one? I know which one I would open first. 
I'm like, the humility and surrender one, let's open that one second. Let's open, let's open the one that's blessing, success, authority. Because we all want to be part of a movement that's going to win. None of us want to be part of a movement with a, a leader who's coming from Bethlehem in a lowly fashion. Like, do we want to be part of that? All of us at some point in this life will realize that following Jesus, the humble one from Bethlehem, will cause us to wonder whether we can just give him back. We're going to opt for something that's going to be more powerful, more authoritative. That's why Herod is so appealing. All of us would have wanted to be around him. The guy walked into a room and people made space. He always had VIP parking. This is the kind of person we want to hang out with. And yet Micah, Matthew says, no, 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 no. The one who will keep the world accountable is coming from Bethlehem. That's where he's coming from. Do you want that kind of accountability? Do you want that kind of ruler to tell you how to live? Do you want that kind of shepherd that's going to shepherd you in this life to guide you? I mean, maybe on a bad day, but in general, leave it to me. I, I know what I'm going to do in my life. You know, here's a, it's a basic principle we've all seen this year. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Right? And all of a sudden at Christmas, Jesus is like, by the way, if you believe in me, I'm going to tell you what to do. You're like, I don't know about that. We live in a world that has taught us nobody should have the right to tell us what to do. And then you feel what it's like for Herod to say, no other king is going to show up and tell me what to do. Bethlehem, we got this. And you all know how the story ends. It ends in the most unexpected way. And I'm going to just read it for you. This is what happens next. Herod, so clever. If nobody keeps you accountable, you never mind lying. This is what Herod does next. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them, he sent them uh, to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find them, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Jesus. We're not sure how old he is at this point. Some scholars say that Jesus maybe is already two years old by this time. It's a big gap by when the Magi get there. It doesn't work in our manger scenes because baby Jesus, he gets the gifts, but it's probably old enough. I think in some beautiful ways, maybe it would have been special for Joseph and Mary to know that somebody provided some gifts for them that will help them raise Jesus. That they have, God has been faithful and he's still watching over them. Maybe Jesus is still just learning how to walk. His bib all dirty. It's a mess. It's just trying to figure out how it's all going to work. And the Magi show up and Mary and Joseph are like, God is still He's providing for us. This is all going to come together. If you've never seen this, this tension in the story, John, uncreated light, the star, which is the pagans following the light. Can I just say one other thing that most people miss when they read about Christmas? That when the Magi find out that the new king is being born, they go to where he is. When the shepherds are told that a new child who's born, who's going to save the people from their sins, is going to be in a manger, the shepherds go to where the baby is. When Herod finds out that this new king is born, the Herod stays put and goes nowhere. This is a great reminder for us. It's a great sense for us for the fact that it's so easy to hear about something, to be like, I'm not even going to be inconvenienced to go see where he is. You just go and just give me an update whenever you get there. Herod's not even going to be inconvenienced to go see where this new king might be. Well, you just go and check. And he does it secretly. Herod, the only person who is not going to turn and begin to move his life towards the one who is uncreated light. 
the one who gives light to everything, the one who everyone is accountable to. Even the sun and the stars and the moon will one day be no more because he himself will light up everything by his glory. This year, as we wrap up 2021, a year we will never forget, I thought about the one thing I could leave you with, the one thing I want to remember in my own life. If you're watching online, maybe you remember this, is that this year we will make a decision whether we will turn our attention towards the light. Whether we will say we've heard of the light, we know about this, and we've, we've, we've been given the warnings in Scripture of those who heard about Jesus and were never even moved or phased by it. They didn't even care enough to pursue, to follow, to learn. They were just like, don't worry, you should go check it out. Because this king from Bethlehem, really that important? Why would you waste your time with this? No, nothing to see here. Just live your life and do your own thing. And Matthew says, this child, born in Bethlehem, he's about to change the world. I thought about this for our lives as we move into the next year in a few days and just think about God. Would you help us be people? who take the meaning of Christmas so seriously that one, we don't rush off and pretend it's already finished. Two, we realize we're still putting figurines in the manger scene, by the way. People are still just showing up to meet Jesus for the first time. And we are, are blessed to have the Bible and to hear what is happening as these magi are like, to Bethlehem, that's where the star is going. Huh? Keep going. They follow along. We watch this along the way while others are like, you know what, forget that. Not important. Maybe that we would say this year, I want to make some changes that would set my life on a different trajectory. Why would kind of set my gaze or my, my focus on turning towards this one who I know and I understand is uncreated light? But what does that mean for me and my family? What would that look like for the light of Jesus to transform your life? It's not only help when you're in the darkness. It's not only so you would have some victories in your life and feel God's blessing. It's not enough. Because Jesus is light when you don't even need blessings in your life. Jesus is true light when there is no darkness. I, I, I heard about this a few years ago, and I, I came back to it this year, and it's this word called phototropism. you maybe never heard of it. Phototropism, you'll see, is this wonderful discovery by people who study plants and gardeners and, you know, scientists that demonstrates how plants if you put them in a place where it's dark, over time will always turn their, themselves towards where the light is. And you can actually do this in your own house. It's an experiment you can do. You can take a plant, you can put it in a box and make a little hole in the box and just have a little bit of light coming into one side of the box. And over a few days, even a few hours, the plant will start to bend itself towards where the light is coming in so that it can get enough nutrients and energy from that light. And I thought how profound that in some ways, this year, we maybe are called to be like these plants. That God invites us to be those who understand that only when we're turned towards what the light is and the true light is will we realize that this is where real life comes from. And when we choose not to, we can decide, you know what, we can get God on our terms. We can get God whenever we want. We can listen to a lot of sermons and do nothing. We can be that. And Matthew says, if that's who you are, I left you the story of Herod so that you would never make the same mistake. That there was one who heard all of the sermons, who was given warnings by the prophets, who the Magi went to show up, and he wasn't even inconvenienced enough to turn himself towards who this child in Bethlehem might be. As we wrap up this year, I could say Merry Christmas to all of you. I can encourage you to be safe. 
I can ask you to pray for us as we pray for you. I can ask you, if you're watching online, to commit to thinking of your life and your family as something that you're going to just pay more attention as you turn your life towards the things of God. But you know what? If no one keeps you accountable, you will do none of those things. None of them. All of us, every single one of us, me included, are prone to be like Herod. Who's going to keep me accountable? Who's going to ask me? Nobody gets to tell me how to live my life. You think that that's how life works? Well, Jesus says, I've come, and now everybody will help be held accountable because I am uncreated light, true light, around before any of this ever existed. Would you consider what it means to worship me as king? That's our message as we wrap up this year. If you need to go back and watch this again, you can online. I, I just, I'm going to pray for us as we close, and I'm not going to ask you to stand because we're not allowed. Uh, but I want to say really thank you to many of you who are here this morning. It's really special for us to be able to gather, even though we know for many of you at home, you, it's not safe, you were not able to come. And we had some from our team who were close to someone who was positive, and so we've been very, very careful. So I want to pray for us, and I want to remind you that a lot of things are going to change between now and next week. But one thing will not change. That before the sun and the moon were even created, there was one who was uncreated light, who was there from all time, and who sustains everything. And the Bible tells us just what does it mean for us to turn our, our lives towards the truth of what that means. So let's just pray together as we close this morning. Father, we thank you for the warnings of the different people in the Christmas story who didn't take your teachings or your wisdom through the prophets and through the writings seriously. We think of our own lives thousands of years later, still learning about people like Herod and like others in the scriptures who did not understand what it meant that you, Jesus, you are the one who holds all things together that you are the one who were there from the beginning. We can't even fathom what that means, but yet we ask you to help us this year to remember that there were those who did not recognize you and others who rejected you and others who ignored you, and we are prone to, to commit all of those sins still today. We ask you for your strength, thankfully by the gift of the Holy Spirit, to be attentive to the ways that you're going to invite us to turn ourselves towards you, to grow, to listen, to learn, and to know that we will give an account to you one day. And we pray that you would keep us safe in a time that's very, very difficult and uncertain. I pray for people maybe who are listening, who are either struggling with COVID or have a loved one that is sick. I pray that you would uh, help them to make wise decisions and to be responsible as those who are learning how to live lives that honor you and are careful in light of this, these circumstances. I pray for those of us in this room and those of us maybe listening that you would keep us and protect us and help us as we, we look forward to the things that you're going to teach us as we step into a new year together. Jesus, would you remind us that you have more light and more wisdom than we can ever even handle in times like these. So help us now as we trust you and as we continue to live in the promises of this Christmas season, we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, God bless everyone. Thanks for being with us. I'm going to put my mask back on here. And, uh, and I want to say thanks to everyone online for joining us. 
If you need to connect with us in any way, our website is the place to go. Like we mentioned, registration will be open week to week, but if we do have to make some last-minute changes, we'll, we'll send a note out. And if you'd like to join us in person, just as a reminder, just bring your vaccine passport. We're going to check that, and uh, God bless everyone. We'll see you soon. Merry Christmas.